Welcome back to the Brown Shag Carpet, where Corey and I are just pretty much parenting in the ordinary. This is the reason you tell me not to tell people good morning, because it's not morning. It's afternoon. She hates it when I tell you guys what time it is, but now you know it's afternoon. She's over there with her head in her hand. <laughs> you just wasted like a minute. I did. It's good. <laughs> but good afternoon, and welcome to the Brown Shag Carpet. I'm Corey Pepitone. I am student and outreach pastor for Rabbit Creek Church. And my wife, Lori, is our children and families pastor. And we have with us this afternoon um, a really a good friend. <laughs> Just a little bit. We have with us a really good friend. Um, Jamie Bleakley has known us for a long time and been a core part of our team for a long time. But I could go on. But Jamie, why don't you introduce us and tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Jamie Bleakley. I am a pediatric occupational therapist. Um, and I've been doing Strictly Peds for 21 years. Um, I have specialties in fetal alcohol and infant mental health. And on top of that, I have um, done foster care for the last seven years. Um, so had many children come in and out of our house on top of having our own bio kids. Yeah, and you guys tend to specialize in infants to preschool age and foster care, though your own kids are now young adults. Yes. Very cool. I find infant and in, like infant foster care absolutely terrifying. Y'all are my heroes. Um, teenagers are cool. Infants scare me and they can't tell me what's wrong. But they, but they stay where you put them. Okay, there's that. There's definitely that. Well, Jamie, what are in in your practice? So, um, I was about to say owner operator of a better tomorrow. It, yes. What's the official term? I, I'm one of the owners. One of the yeah. owners for A Better Tomorrow, and you guys work with or provide occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy. And massage. And massage. Um, so what are two of the most common diagnoses for kiddos that you are seeing coming through more recently? I would say the two diagnoses that we kind of see coming through um, that kind of go across the board, and that there are a lot of co-diagnosis with other True. things. That's a great point. Um, is ADHD or ADD, um, your attention deficits, along with anxiety. Okay. All right. Can so, you give us a brief definition of each of those, or what do those look like generally? <laughs> yeah. Um, ADD can be across the board. Like, you can have kids that are hyper-focused on things. You can have kids that are bouncing off the walls. Um A lot of times it stems from um, some sensory issues along with that, that the kid is distracted by other things in their environment. Um, but a lot of times, too, it is an under-regulation, under-stimulation. So these kids are looking for more input from their environment to be at a, at a good place to be able to learn. So they look like they're super active all the time, but they're actually under-stimulated. Um, which is right. That's, where that comes from. That's my friend who, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, she had a, a little guy who needed to jump on the trampoline before bed because he couldn't calm. Correct. Yeah, which seems super backwards to majority of parents. Well, even parents. Drew at 24 eats, drinks a Mountain Dew before bed because that caffeine brings him to a point where he can actually go to sleep. So, like, the, the Mountain Dew Max that usually wires people, he calls his night-night juice. That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. works for his special brain. Mm -hmm. As one of the original late 70s ADD kids, 
growing up, so many teachers that thought what I needed to focus if I was an ADD kid was a study carol with no input whatsoever. And I was well into seminary before I finally realized that what I needed to not hate studying was television or radio or better yet to be in the middle of a crowded coffee shop. And then I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wildly misunderstood. I, along those lines, what are some things that you think we as a society and parents in specific misunderstand about that diagnosis? I think one of it is that it is an, an under stimulation. So the example I give to parents is like when you're driving home at two in the morning and super tired and you just, you don't want to stop, but you want to make it home. What are some of the things you do? You crank up the radio, you start throwing licorice in your mouth. So you're chewing on things. You roll down the window. So you have the wind blowing on you. You're using all of these things to keep you alert. That's what these kids are seeking throughout their day. They need movement. Um, and a lot of times the school system, they didn't get their work done. They're wiggly. We're taking recess away. Right. <laughs> Shoot you in the foot. Yeah. Um, which just makes the problem worse for the afternoon. Um, sometimes it is like, you know, don't give your kid caffeine. Sometimes these kids need caffeine. Um, and that's what our ADD medications are is they're a stimulant, um, which if you give them to somebody who does not truly have the chemical imbalance for ADD, they're going to be bouncing off the walls. But for our kids with ADD, they're under aroused and they need that extra to bring them up. So they need to move. They need to be able to fidget. Um, They need other information going on around them to be able to focus and to be their best. Right. Right. Awesome. So what is a down and dirty description definition of anxiety? Mm. Anxiety is kind of that brain just going on and on and worrying. And I think one of the big things right now is that we're giving younger and younger kids more and more adult information. Mm. Um, And they've got access to devices and they've got, you know, the TV on and the radio and and everything we give them, they're getting all of this adult information that their brain is not ready to problem solve and to work through and they don't have developmentally that capability of being able to rationalize, I'm going to be okay. Right. Well, and I even was researching for another class that we did recently that um, our kiddos are set back this two, three years that they've experienced in COVID isolation and things like that because they didn't experience the normal things. They didn't experience trying out for the ball team or for a play or um, spending the night at grandparents' house as much to make them comfortable going and being other places. Just those experiences they've missed out on through no one's particular fault that, that now is ramping up anxiety because they have these fears of, of, of what if I try and I fail? Or what if, you know, is it okay to go somewhere else? Is it, you know, all of these things that are rolling around in their head. And add to that the isolation, that right. I don't have my friends and my peer group to be able to say, right. this is how I'm feeling and everybody else to like. And now I don't know how to make right. friends because I've had, I, I'm, I haven't had this time to do that. Correct. So yeah. I've seen you guys work in occupational therapy a bunch and a lot of that is taking kids with our kids with our kids is taking kids and stretching them and pushing them and helping them understand what they are capable of and build coping skills for when things are difficult with the reward of success or sometimes the reward of frustration if that's what what stretches that how as parents do we deal with anxiety how do we strike the balance between pushing our kids to do things which make them anxious because they stretch those muscles and 
not pushing them too hard or putting them in situations where they're overwhelmed by the information that they have that they're not ready to deal with? How do we hit that balance? And I would say, I mean, it starts in toddlerhood, letting your child try something, get frustrated, fail, um, and, and teaching them that failure is okay. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be perfect at everything. You're not going to be the best at everything. And that's a very unrealistic unreal, expectation. Um, and I think, like, our school system is kind of set up right now that if you're not good at reading, you're not good at anything because they've mm. put that into math. And, and so they've combined all of the subjects that doesn't let our kids that are good in math and science be good in math and science. And the kids that, stroke, you know, are good in reading, they can be good in reading, like, Everything's too layered. Everything's too layered. Um, so I would say, you know, letting letting your kid be good at what they're good at and right. and encouraging that, but also encouraging you don't know what you're good at until you try it. Right. Um, and so being supportive, being present as a parent, you, you need to be there to be their support um, and know that, okay, we're, we're going to try this together. You're going to try it first. If you need help, I'm right here. Right. Right, and learning that it's okay to fail, that doesn't make you a failure. That right. doesn't make you bad. That doesn't make you um, lack intelligence. That just means, oh, this is something we either need to practice or we're going to move on from. And it makes you human. Everybody yes. fails. Thank you for not being great at everything. So knowing that in, a, in our society in general, our kids are feeling more anxious across the board, and that absolutely is the case with the teenagers that I work with. What's the... and understanding that this is going to vary from kid to kid but generally speaking what's the line when as a parent I go okay we might need some help here beyond just how we change things in the home and how we push and how we encourage is there a line which as a professional you would go okay if you start to kind of hear this maybe time to look and and let's see who we can bring into the team to help I mean absolutely if you're hearing frequent negative comments, self-negative comments about themselves. Um, if, if a child's telling you that they're always failing, they're not good at anything, they're not have, they don't have friends, um, is probably a time to seek. But also, I mean, any time that it's impacting family life and other people in the family along with that child or... Can you give me an example of that? What do you mean? Um, if, if it's taking everybody's attention to this mm -hmm. one child okay or if siblings are walking on eggshells around another child right um there's probably a sign that there's a problem right and would this be this similar for add or adhd yes like if it's, it's so there... i would if it's impacting everyday life what mm -hmm. i mean yes for specifically for that that child um but also as a family right it's probably time to seek help when the entire family's life has to be scheduled around how, yes. to, how to accommodate this. And, uh, yeah, yeah, in these two scenarios. So, so we're good enough friends, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> um, help us strike a new normal for a, let me just pick an age, but let's go late elementary school, maybe even early junior high. What's a reasonable amount of, you mentioned devices and information and all of that. What's a reasonable amount of time that my fifth grader should be spending in front of a screen? 
do you mean for education purposes or for pleasure? I left it open on purpose. And See, I and I detailed yeah. it out on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's the thing. So much education has gone to screen time that the CDC rec- recommendations have gone out the window. Um, but typically, like kids under the age of two should not have any screen time. It should be zero. Okay. So when you're going I, I through the grocery heard, store and kids are I just heard the jaws holding, of half of our parents hit the floor. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, they should not be sitting in front of a TV. They should be doing imaginary play. Um, by the age of fifth grade, probably four hours should be tops. Okay. And, and that, that should be education. Homework, TV, yeah. education, all Games, this. All the above. Game. Social media. Okay. Social media. Yeah. Okay. Um, screen time should be shut off two hours before bedtime. Okay. Mm. Because wow. that okay. extra electronics and zapping that goes on impacts the brain and it does not allow you to calm down to go to sleep. Okay. So two hours detox time, mm-hmm. basically before bed. There, are, There is no way that any of our teenagers and most of our parents are getting that. Mine included, me included. Uh-huh. And I would say with both the AD... HD and the anxiety. Um, the tip for that: sleep hygiene. Okay, define explain that. Yeah, so take sleep, a shower before bed. So it could be, <laughs> could Maybe. be. Um, sleep hygiene is is your routine. Like, okay. are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting restful sleep? What is your routine to calm down to be able to get to sleep? Are you getting outside during the day and getting sunlight and Collecting all of the serotonin that can be turned into natural melatonin without, you know, taking gummies and pills at night to go to sleep. Um, and what they're finding, too, is a lot of kids that are diagnosed with ADHD actually have sleep apnea or sleep issues, and they're just mm. overtired. Right. They're just exhausted all the time. Mm. Right. So they need the stimulation to stay awake because they need the stimulation to stay awake. Yes. Huh. Really? So what would... What would a healthy um, evening routine in an ideal scenario <laughs> uh, look like for a first grader? For a first grader, um, now that we're back in school, having them come home from school, getting them outside, letting them play for hour, hour and a half, running, jumping, fresh air. Right. Um, family dinner. Sitting down, talking, devices not at the table. Um, parent devices not at the table? Parent devices not at the table. Just because, again, we are modeling for our children. <laughs> um, so turning off devices and, and having family time, like family game nights. like right. Games are great for problem solving and, and teaching that there are winners, there are losers in life. And sometimes you're on the winning end and sometimes you're not. Right, the taking um, turns of picking the games and all of that, and learning. Yeah. Stuff and waiting your turn, and I like I've seen you use games in every OT session almost ever, and I'm like I had no idea you learned so much from games, you know, and that that's been really cool and eye opening for me. Yeah. Um, before bedtime, doing heavy work activities, carrying things, pushing, pulling, making your body work. Um, sometimes ha- having a warm bath. Mm-hmm can help calm the body down. Um, temperatures going down at night is a natural thing, so having the bedrooms a little bit cooler. Um, 
wearing more fitted tight pajamas that give you a nice little squeeze okay. can help with calming regulation. Um, weighted blankets, so having heavier blankets can also help you feel more calm and safe. Okay. Gotcha. So what about music as you go to bed and things like that? If there's not, if you're not doing uh, phones and games and media, you know, electronics, what about music? Music is okay. Um, or white noise. Sometimes mm -hmm. that'll help like drown out other sounds that right. can be more alerting to the brain. Um, with music, you're looking for something with a steady type beat versus something that's random. And so you're looking more rhythmic, um, more classical type music, things okay. with instrumental versus having words with them. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. So what do our kiddos, teachers, the adults in our kiddos' lives, so teachers, church folks, your friends, what do they need to know about how to support our children with anxiety or attention deficit issues? I'd say across the board, recognizing that kids are all individuals. Yeah. We can't fit them all in one box. Um, we can't teach everybody the same way. Uh, we can't discipline everybody the same way. Right. Um, so being aware of that and, and the kids' differences. The more you have a relationship with that child, the more they're going to trust you, the more that they're going to come to you for that support. Right. Um, our ADHD kids, figure out what's going to work for them um, and incorporate movement into their learning. So it may be that, you know, the kid has to frog jump to put the answer on the wall. Um, you right. know, they have to bend down, get an answer, jump as high as they can to stick it where it, it needs to go. They're still getting their work done. Right. They're still using their brain, um, but they need that movement. They may need, you know, one of the hoppity balls to go across the room to get their spelling words and come back to write them. Right. Um, I would say giving breaks in between activities. So if you do require a tabletop task, allowing that kid to get up and move around the room before you give them the next activity. Um, most adults do not sit for more than five minutes straight without moving. We are up going to the coffee pot, going to the copier, moving around. Um, so we are asking our kids to do things that we as adults can't do. Right. How often have you encountered kiddos? How, like, uh, is the child a good person to ask about what they need? Sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes they, they can say, well, my body feels whatever. And, and you can you can help them discern, okay, that they're trying to tell me they need to move or they need to not move or they need to whatever. Right. But sometimes you have kiddos who can articulate. Yeah. Um, I'd say a good portion of them, unless they've been in therapies, can't necessarily say, right. I need my weighted blanket now. Sure. Um, but if you watch what they're doing, you can pick up on which – sensory system right they are trying to meet that need for yeah the behaviors indicating the need correct so figure the need out awesome so what is your like go-to top tip one for uh, attention deficit stuff and one for anxiety so like i said the attention deficit i would definitely take a look at sleep habits okay like are our kids going to bed at a reasonable hour are they getting 10 hours of sleep at night. 
Um, and actually, our teenagers need more sleep than our first graders. Right. Total misnomer. That that. And changing the start time of school and... is not the answer because that sets them up for failure in adulthood. Yeah. Okay. They need to go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier. Like you step, you move back the start time of school. They're just staying up later. Without right. their phone, maybe with some music. Um, Give me some angry teenagers in the youth group. Why did you tell my parents to listen to that? Great. This is going to be fun. All right. Sleep. Um, So, yeah, sleep. With anxiety, um, I I would take a look at the devices that your kids have. Okay. Um, And and are they age appropriate or are they socially acceptable? Ask that question again. Are they age-appropriate or are they socially acceptable? As if those are two different standards. I, I have a one-year-old who just got an iPad from his grandma and it like, makes me cringe. Um, these kids need to be playing. Mm. And we have lost that art. Mm-hmm. Um, and as adults, we have lost that art to yeah. teach our kids how to play. Um, so... Should our elementary kids have cell phones? What What is the purpose of their cell phones in elementary school? Um, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, asking that question. Yes, all their friends have it. Why? Right. Hmm. Because giving them a cell phone gives them access to cyberbullying, gives them access to social media, gives them access to other media that's coming into them and is that media having a positive impact it's on the them? news lately mm-hmm. yeah absolutely okay some some hard questions for parents and and i think probably some reset that we needed for parents and a lot of really important issues right so yeah so thank you so much jamie um so if we are seeing in our kiddos some behaviors related to anxiety some sleep issues, some needing, some craving sensory input, that bouncing off the walls, running super loud, all of those things, um, the the thinking spirals that they can't kind of pull themselves out of, uh, what are they in the middle of, they can't live without. Mm-hmm. Those might be some good indications of, of what they're dealing with. And um, if you guys thought this was an interesting conversation, and I think you should have, Jamie, thank you very much. Um, this is the first in a series yeah. for us. Um, we're going to get a chance to talk to some more friends with some other great input on common diagnoses of our kids and how we can support them, whether we're their friends, their parents, their their church leaders, all of those kinds of things. How can we come alongside our kids and help them to succeed? We're going to talk with some parents uh, yep. who have kiddos with some, some of these diagnoses as well and how they've navigated all the scenarios. So anyway, thank you again, Jamie. Thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we'll meet you again another time on the carpet. Sounds good. Thanks, folks. Have a great day.